Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring testimonies, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Wherever you're listening, we hope you lean in, listen closely, and be blessed. The book of Psalms is among the most beloved of the Bible. Through the centuries, many people have admired the Psalms' beautiful style and the way they eloquently express the range of human emotions. Another notable, though often less known feature of the Psalms is their contribution to Messianic prophecy. In fact, few books of the Bible speak as much about the Messiah as the book of Psalms. More than a dozen of the Psalms focus on a descendant of David who will save Israel from her enemies and reign forever. They touch on many details of the Messiah's life, including his deity, his rejection, and his global kingdom. Today, we will look at three Psalms, Psalm 86, 87, and 88, which speak of the Messiah's suffering, death, and resurrection. Through our reading and discussion, we will gain a greater appreciation for what Jesus has accomplished. His sacrifice paves the way for the restoration of Zion and for the whole world to know God. Joining us for this episode is a returning guest, Robert Walter, who is the New York Regional Director for Chosen People Ministries and co-host of the Chosen People radio program. I now introduce the host of our Hope podcast, Abe Vasquez. Welcome back to another episode of Our Hope. I'm so glad you're here with us listening. We are in season seven. We're just so excited to be back. Uh, last week was an awesome episode. Nicole and I were able to uh, really dive into scripture, messianic prophecies, and and just really point to a hopeful future. Um, if you didn't get to listen to that, you can go to ourhopepodcast.com and check it out. Um, but today we have with us Robert Walter. Robert is a staff member with Chosen People Ministries, and he's been serving in Brooklyn for many years now. Robert's not only a wonderful friend, but he is an incredible brother and an incredible follower of Yeshua, um, someone who is uh, really, really just 
building relationships with people in Brooklyn and and sharing the gospel wherever he can. And so, Robert, it's so good to have you back again. You've been an awesome um, guest with us, and it's always a joy to have you on the podcast. So welcome back. Yes, Abe, thank you. And thank you to Nicole and uh, your entire team as well for having me back. And uh, yeah, I mean, thank you so much for that heartwarming introduction as well. I didn't realize that we're, uh, we're at the friend status now. Well, I'm, I'm just asking that you send a check to my office um, for giving <laughs> okay. you such a re- wonderful review. Okay. But uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's been, you know, incredible to be on these episodes with you and to learn from you. And I know a lot of our viewers or not viewers because we're on a podcast, but our listeners just really enjoy learning from you. And so I'm just curious. Uh, it's been a while since we've had you on. Um, you know, we took a long break between Mm -hmm. seasons and what have you been up to? Are there any stories that you would like to share with us in your ministry over the past few months? Yeah, yeah, of course, uh, for sure. We've been pretty busy. I mean, thank God. Uh, I think since the last time you and I uh, had a chance to talk here on the podcast, obviously the summer took place and also uh, the, the high holidays on the Jewish calendar took place. So we were we were pretty busy with uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and and Sukkot uh, here in our Brooklyn congregation. And uh, one one highlight for me uh, was on Rosh Hashanah, which is the the New Year, you know, one of the New Years on the Jewish calendar. Uh, we had our service and we were able to gather together in person in our building there in Brooklyn uh, for really the first time since before COVID began. And uh, and after the service. It was it was really it was a, just a special time of worship and celebration, and then after the service, a lot of us we hopped on the subway, we we drove over to the beach at Coney Island, and it was a beautiful day, a beautiful opportunity for us to actually have some baptisms, hmm. uh, and we were able to to baptize four new Jewish believers wow. uh, who had come to faith at different times, and uh, one of them actually came to faith during the pandemic. So it was just a really special, special time for our congregation to be gathered out there on the beach, honestly surrounded by a bunch of uh, Jewish people uh, mm-hmm. who were at the beach that day. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get into a lot of conversations as well because of these baptisms that we were doing. But just to hear the testimonies of these brothers and sisters who came to faith, it was really encouraging. And honestly, I think it was uh, uh, just a nice uh, boost, a nice spiritual boost for a lot of people in our congregation after, you know, obviously dealing with uh, with the effects of COVID for the past 18 months. That's amazing. So I, I know this could probably be its own podcast episode, but talk to me a little bit about baptisms. I, I know that historically um, that word doesn't really go well in the Jewish community. Um, I yeah. think there's a long history, you know, of the forced baptisms and things like that. So talk, talk about today's Jewish believers and why they decide they want to move forward with being immersed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm actually glad that you bring it up. It's uh, it is a big issue. It's a big deal. I mean, uh, for many of us who are evangelicals or Christians who aren't from a Jewish background, it might not seem like it's that big a deal to actually go through those baptismal waters. I mean, of course, it's a it's a great opportunity to make a a public profession of an inward change. Mm. So an outward expression, an outward profession of the fact that the Lord has changed your heart, that you've been born again. 
Uh, so the idea of these baptismal waters is that you enter into the water as one person. You are immersed under the water uh, where human life cannot be sustained. And then when you come up out of the water and you take that first breath, it's like you're taking your first breath as a new creation. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a strong picture, a strong image of what the reality is mm-hmm. when we come to believe in Messiah Jesus, in, in Yeshua. Uh, we are new creations. Uh, the old man has died, and we are now we are now new. Mm. So, for a Jewish person who comes to faith in in Yeshua, in Israel's Messiah Jesus, it's a big deal because, like you said, there's a, a really dark history yeah. uh, when it comes to Jewish Christian relations, especially in like medieval Christian Europe. So, we're talking in Spain and in France and England. Uh, where the Jewish communities oftentimes were persecuted very harshly, were eventually expelled from those nations at different times, and uh, were at other times given the ultimatum, either either you need to leave, you need to leave the country altogether, or you need to convert to Christianity uh, and show us that you convert to Christianity by by being baptized, right. or you die. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, really heavy, yeah. really heavy. And uh, again, as as evangelicals today living in uh, in the year 2021, we may not think about that history that much, uh, but the Jewish community is very aware of that history. So for a Jewish person who comes to faith in Jesus, uh, it's usually a, a pretty big step, yeah. a pretty big deal when it's time for, uh, when they're considering going through the baptismal waters and, and following the Lord's command to do that. Uh, I mean, one of the big questions we'll get is, you know, what, how am I going to tell my mother? Right. How am I going to tell right. my mother that I've been baptized? Right. So it's, uh, you know, there's there's quite a bit to consider. Yeah. Well, listen, let's jump into today's topic. Um, we're we're going to be talking about Psalms 86 to 88. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for the longest time, I personally saw the book of Psalms as just this collection of songs and poems with really no clear arrangement or structure. I just always saw them as kind of random, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but as I grew in my faith, I started to realize that it's probably worth paying attention to the structure, the context, the order, the same way we do with any other book in the Bible. And mm-hmm. and I know people who are listening might have a different approach to the book of Psalms. So we brought you on to help us settle it. <laughs> well, <laughs> what which approach should we take? And how does this affect the way we view Messianic prophecy in the Psalms? Yeah, so this is an excellent question. And uh, I think it is important for us to realize that the scripture, the way that the the Bible is organized and put together, it's not haphazard. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of intent with the structure of the text. And for me personally, I mean, this is something that my friends and... uh, Yes, I do have friends. Uh, they'll they'll <laughs> joke with me about this and make fun of me about this because sometimes I really get into the structure of the text and like the way it's laid out and you know looking for uh, or observing uh, parallelisms that mm. exist in the text uh, because it's all over the Bible. But when we come to the Psalms, honestly, it's a little bit of both. Sometimes there are certain Psalms that just you know don't seem to relate or there's there's no like narrative flow to the way that the Psalms are organized or arranged. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, there is intention with how the Psalms are organized. And we see this. Um, We see this in the text. 
that the Psalms are actually divided into five different books or five different uh, divisions. And you'll see, I mean, if you pick up your Bible, uh, you'll see that when you come uh, from Psalm 1 through Psalm 41, that is called Book 1 of the Psalms. So right before Psalm 42 begins, you'll see a little indication that it's Book 2. So Psalm 1 through 41, it's Book 1. Psalm 42 through 72, that's Book 2. Psalm 73 through 89, that's Book 3. And then Psalm 90 through Psalm 106, that's Book 4. And then from Psalm 107 through the end, through 150, that's Book 5. So when we're trying to answer the question of how the book of Psalms is organized, it's really important to look back to the very first two Psalms. So Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, because they really set the tone for the rest of the book of Psalms. Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 focus on the contrast between a, the righteous man and the wicked man. But then especially in Psalm 2, we see the special figure introduced, the special person introduced, who is a king, who is anointed, okay, who is, you know, hmm. Mashiach, which mm -hmm. is where we get the word Messiah from, or Christ. Uh, and he is, um, he's a king, he's anointed, and he's the son of God. And this Son of God, this King, this Messiah, uh, is referred to time and time again throughout the Psalms. Now, it's not in every single Psalm that he's referenced, but when we transition from uh, Book 1 to Book 2 to Book 3 to Book 4 uh, to Book 5 in the Psalms, uh, we're learning more about the ministry of this special individual from Psalm 2. Mm -hmm. We're learning more about what his ministry is going to look like, what his life is going to look like. Uh, we learn about the fact that he actually suffers, that he dies. We learn that he uh, rises from the dead and we learn why, why he does all of this. Mm. We learn uh, what he's going to usher in. We learn about the restoration of Israel that comes as a result of this special individual's ministry. And we learn about the global impact of the life and ministry of this special anointed king, son of God. So right at the beginning of the Psalms, we're seeing a clear picture of this person who is the Messiah. Exactly, exactly. So Robert, this brings us to Psalms 86 through 88. They emphasize that one day the whole earth will worship God together. That's, and first of all, that's an amazing uh, just thought the whole earth worshiping one God together. Mm -hmm. We are not together right now. <laughs> and to think right. about that is just amazing. So as it says in Psalm 86, 9, all nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. Why is this detail so important? And what does it tell us about the Messiah? Yeah, well, th that's an excellent question. So Again, one thing we have to understand when we come to Psalms 86, 87, and 88, which we want to look at here, uh, is that they are at the end. They're at the, tail, they're at the tail end of book three of the Psalms. Usually when we get to the end of one of the books of the Psalms, the focus on the Messiah figure from Psalm 2 sort of ramps up a bit and we start to get more information about him. Mm -hmm. And in Psalm 86, 87, and 88, we are getting a very beautiful picture of the suffering that this Messiah will go through. Mm -hmm. and, and we even get a picture that he dies. 
But at the same time, we get a picture of the global impact of his ministry, just like it was foretold in Psalm 2. So the passage that you read in Psalm 86, 9, it says, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. And this is really important when we look at what God's plan is for all the earth, for all the nations and Israel included. I mean, when we look back, even at the start in Genesis chapter 12, right? So we're talking beyond the fall in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. We're talking beyond uh, the days of Noah, where God sort of, uh, you know, obviously flooded the earth Mm -hmm. um, to hit the reset button in a way. Mm-hmm. And we're talking beyond the separation of uh, languages at the Tower of Babel. And things are kind of, you know, chaotic in the world still because of our sin. And then in Genesis 12, God realizes, I mean, of course, God always knows this, uh, how messed up we are as human beings because mm-hmm. of our sin. But God begins the process of redemption. He begins the process of restoring the brokenness, healing the brokenness uh, that has tainted all of creation uh, because of our sin. And he chooses one individual, Abram, right? Who Mm -hmm. later on, his name is changed to Abraham. And God makes promises to Abraham and he sets Abraham apart. And he says to him, you know, come, follow me, leave your father's household, leave everything else that you've known in your life. Leave your inheritance, leave your home country, leave your family, leave it all behind and follow me. And as a result, God promises that uh, he would make Abraham's name great in all the earth. He would bring Abraham to a land, a special land that he was going to show him. uh, And that through Abraham and his descendants, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Hmm. So... It's, this is really important, especially when we come to Psalm 86, because this is almost like that promise is being reiterated, or we're, we're learning more and more about how that promise of God blessing all the families of the earth through mm-hmm. Abraham and his descendants, through the Jewish people, we learn in Psalm 86 how that's going to come about. Okay? So mm-hmm. Psalm 86, 9, it says, all nations, right? So that's, that's everybody, okay? That's the entire world, whom you have made. who have been created by God. He is the God of all the nations. He is the God of all the earth. He is the God of all creation. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. Amazing. So this is big. This is big. Um, And this is honestly, when we come to Psalm 86, this is one of the most important uh, points that we need to look at in, in through the lens of the Messiah. Because ultimately, it's through the Messiah, it's through Jesus, uh, the ultimate descendant of Abraham, the ultimate descendant of David. I mean, in fact, that's how the New Testament starts in Matthew 1.1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And it's through Jesus that that promise that God made to Abraham way back in Genesis 12 would ultimately be fulfilled. And... You know, we get more glimpses of this promise as well, this global impact. So Deuteronomy 32, verse 43, it's, it's part of the, the song of Moses as Deuteronomy is, is coming to an end. Uh, this prophetic statement is made by Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, that says, Rejoice, O nations, with his people. And even though it's it's you know a rather short verse a rather short statement it still carries that same weight 
the, the same impact uh, and paints the same picture of this, um, uh, the entire world being shaped, being impacted through the Jewish people, mm-hmm. through this Messiah that God would send. And, and that one day all the nations, they will come and they will worship the God of Israel and they will worship side by side with his people. Uh, like we read about in Deuteronomy 32 and here in Psalm 86. We'll be right back. Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. When God wants to use us, he does so in his perfect timing, regardless of where we are in life, in many ways actually, that we had never planned. If you've been on a path toward higher education in ministry, communications, and outreach, and you have a passion for making Jesus known to the Jewish people, then the Charles L. Feinberg Messianic Jewish Center is for you. This program is a partnership between Chosen People Ministries, Biola University, and the Talbot School of Theology. It is theologically and specifically designed to inspire, equip, and send students into the harvest on a mission to reach Jewish people for Jesus. Learn more about the Feinberg Center when you visit Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com radio. During these difficult times, we know how hard it is to hold on to hope, and we want you to know that Chosen People Ministries is here for you. If you have any prayer requests, our prayer team is standing by to receive them. You can submit your request at chosenpeople.com forward slash pray. Again, that's chosenpeople.com forward slash pray. You mentioned briefly that these psalms talk about Messiah's suffering death, but specifically what 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 do they say about his suffering and his death? Yeah, so th- this is another aspect of Psalm 86 in particular. And you know, I, I should say this that when we look at these three psalms, 86, mm-hmm. 87, and 88, they they go together. Okay, so Psalm 86 is almost like the the foundational psalm here in mm-hmm. this particular messianic prophecy. Uh, and then Psalm 87 picks up and it and it sort of expounds upon um, the global worship that will take place. And then Psalm 88 picks up and focuses upon the suffering of the Messiah. Mm. okay? And in Psalm 86, Uh, we read about this suffering that he'll go through. Verse 14, O God, arrogant men have risen up against me, and a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. O grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me 
may see it and be ashamed because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So again, these, these passages refer to uh, the specific kind of suffering that this servant of the Lord goes through. How come we can't see this as just a metaphor or just some story? Why is it important to see this as actual prophecy? Why is it important to see this as potentially actual events that mm. will take place? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, when it comes to Bible interpretation, we want to read the scripture, read the text in its context and understand a really important thing when it comes to biblical interpretation is authorial intent. Mm -hmm. What did the author intend to communicate uh, when he was writing this particular text? And again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, considering a, a number of things about the placement of Psalm 86, 87, and 88, seeing that it's placed toward the end of a particular book of the Psalms and what is consistently a pattern toward the end of these books of the Psalms is that we get more information and it's a reflection and it's an answer to many questions about the identity of that, uh, that king, that son of God, that anointed mm -hmm. one from Psalm 2. So that makes it plausible for us to view these Psalms as containing messianic prophecy. And honestly, when we look at, at the content of what's written here, uh, it is this is big picture kind of stuff. This mm -hmm. is uh, like God's grand plan on display here for us um, concerning uh, his promises uh, for taking care of the sin problem in the world. And we're learning about we're, we're receiving the promise that all the nations are going to worship the God of Israel. And then we're also learning at the same time how that is possible. Mm -hmm. And the way it's possible, the only way it's possible, and as what's presented to us here in these Psalms, but elsewhere in Scripture, it's consistent with the, the whole counsel of God. Uh, the way that the only way that it's possible for all the nations to truly come and, and be cleansed and worship the God of Israel, this special servant of the Lord must suffer mm. and he must die and he will be raised from the dead, right? His, his soul will be delivered from the depths of Sheol. He will mm -hmm. suffer at the hands of arrogant men and a band of violent men. And as a result, the entire world will, will be impacted. So let's look at Psalm 87, right? Yeah. Because Again, Psalm 87 is sort of like a, uh, an expansion of Psalm 86, verse 9, and that promise about all the nations coming to worship and glorify God. So this is what it says in Psalm 87. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, Selah. Right? So just rest in that for a second. So those first three verses describe, uh, you know, it's a beautiful picture. It's, it's glorious, okay? There's nothing bleak about this picture that's being painted. And it's a picture of Jerusalem, of like the, the holy city, the, the city of the great king, the city of God. And it's being presented in, in this like shining sort of image. And then we go on, verse 4. I shall mention Rahab, or Rahav, and Babylon among those who know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia, this one was born there. But of Zion it shall be said, 
This one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord will count when he registers the peoples. This one was born there, Selah. So again, if we take those three verses, uh, what's being spoken? Well, these other nations are being mentioned here. So mm -hmm. Rahab, which uh, is also a reference to Egypt, Rahab or Egypt and Babylon, uh, Philistia, Tyre, Ethiopia, these people, these people from these nations are being counted among God's people. Mm. Okay, this is this is all the nations being drawn in to worship the God of Israel. And I mean, this is it's beautiful, right? I mean, yeah. these are these are ancient enemies of Israel, right? right. right? Egypt was, uh, you know, always uh, uh, an enemy of Israel. Uh, mm. I mean, uh, Israel's beginnings as a nation, you know, we're, we're in captivity, uh, we're in exile. And Babylon as well. They were used by God to come in and execute judgment upon Israel and destroying the first temple. And uh, the nation, the people were taken into exile in Babylon. Uh, Philistia, right? The, the the Philistines, okay? Ancient enemies of Israel. Uh, Tyre and Ethiopia. These are all the, uh, the nations who formerly were at odds with Israel and at odds with Israel's God, but now they are counted among his people. Something has happened. Something has happened to make it possible for Jewish people and Gentiles now to be counted together uh, side by side, worshiping the God of Israel. And that's something that has happened is the suffering, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Messiah. And ultimately, I mean, when we come to the, the New Testament, this is what we see. I mean, uh, you know, when, when we read the book of Acts, that's the, it chronicles the initial spread of the gospel uh, beyond the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Yeshua. Mm -hmm. So we follow the book of Acts and we see how the gospel goes from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And then so much of what uh, Paul wrote in his epistles, he's, he's writing to people in these nations. He's writing to communities of, of new believers who are Gentiles, who have come to faith, who have been redeemed by the same blood that redeems the Jewish people, the blood of Messiah Yeshua, who are now indwelt by the same Holy Spirit that was poured out on the Jewish believers in Acts chapter 2. Well, that same Spirit is now indwelling the Gentile believers. So Paul spent much of his time in his epistles uh, unpacking that truth and, and uh, helping the communities of Jewish and Gentile believers uh, come together and unite uh, in the fact that they have one God, uh, that there's one baptism, that there's one spirit, that we are all one in Messiah. So Robert, it's easy to dive into messianic prophecy and kind of get lost in the weeds and it, it, it's, it, it can be really dense. It could be really informational. But ultimately, I think the important thing when we're looking at scripture, when we're looking at messianic prophecy is how we can take that and kind of just have that overall knowledge so that it can be an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. Mm -hmm. You know, for a, somebody who maybe doesn't 
know Yeshua as the Messiah. For a Jewish person who doesn't know uh, Yeshua or has accepted that Yeshua is the Messiah, they may not even realize that Jesus is all over the Psalms. They may not realize that Jesus is all over the Old Testament. It, it It's almost like it's right in front of our eyes, but um, for one reason or another, it just that, that, that connection hasn't happened yet. So how can we use these scriptures? How can we take these messianic prophecies that we're learning about in this season, hold it into our hearts so that when the opportunity is right, we can use it as a, an opportunity for witness? So that, that's a really good question, Abe. And I think it's, I, I mean, for us at Chosen People Ministries, that's something that we always try to keep at the forefront of, uh, of our minds and our hearts. Uh, this is what we're about. We're about sharing the gospel. And in our ministry in particular, we focus on sharing the gospel with Jewish people. And what we found is that when sharing the gospel with Jewish people, if they're interested in uh, even hearing from the Bible, hear, you know, looking at the text itself, it's always a good practice, a good, a good way to start is by meeting them where they are and starting in the Old Testament uh, with Messianic prophecy in particular. Uh, because mm. God is weaving this story. God does weave this um, the, this promise of rescuing us, of rescuing the world, rescuing us from our sin and from the, uh, the consequences of our sin. Mm-hmm. And that plan is, he gives us like lots of breadcrumbs to follow the trail of how he's going to rescue us. And that a lot of those breadcrumbs are like messianic prophecy. Yeah. Uh, it's it's passages that um, we're intended to come to and understand and and listen for God's voice and and hear Him saying, "Look, here He is. Hmm. Here He is. This is how I'm going to do it. This yeah. is how I'm going to set us free. This is how it's going to be possible for the entire world to be impacted. This is how it's going to happen. It's going to be through this special King." who is also anointed, who is the Messiah, who is also the Son of God. Mm-hmm. He will suffer. He will die. He will be raised from the dead, and it will have a worldwide impact. So, Robert, how should we approach the Psalms? How should re- we read the Psalms in general? Um, there's a lot in them, as we've heard in this episode. Um, there's messianic prophecy. There's songs. There's poems. There's <laughs> there's this historical uh, <laughs> moments being laid out in in the in the Psalms. And so, like, how how should we approach the Psalms mm-hmm. in our everyday lives? One way that I've always looked at the Psalms that has been really helpful to me. These were written by real people, and mm-hmm. real people who lived in a certain context in a certain setting, and what unites or what all these people the writers of the psalms have in common is that they were all followers of the god of israel they were disciples and what's beautiful about them is like here we are again a few thousand years removed from when these psalms were written but we can like peek over the shoulder of the author who we can relate with because we're disciples Mm -hmm. of the same god This same God is actively involved in each one of our lives as well, just like he was involved in the lives of all the authors of these Psalms. And we get to come along and peek over their shoulders and see what they were writing. 
the Psalms were very personal, very human, okay? I mean, of mm-hmm. course, they're inspired by God, inspired by the Spirit of God, and they are Scripture. But it's almost like we're getting the perspective from the author, from the human follower of God, the human follower of the Messiah. We're getting their perspective. So we're hearing their emotions. Uh, we're hearing them cry out to God for deliverance. We're hearing them uh, actually cry out to God in what, what are called the imprecatory psalms, where they're crying out to God for uh, God to come and, and judge their enemies. And like, you know, some of it's really harsh, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and heavy. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're able to relate with that and read the psalms and find something in those mm-hmm. psalms that we can connect to as human beings who follow this same God. These Psalms can give voice to what's going on in our lives. It can give voice to what's going on in our hearts, and we can find solid truth that we can stand upon. Passages like this illustrate just how rich the Word of God is. Even chapters where we might not have expected to find messianic prophecy actually contain profound details about the Messiah's life. As it says in Psalm 86.8, There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. While we await the Messiah's return to deliver Israel and establish his kingdom on earth, we are so thankful for what he has already done for us. People from all over the world are worshiping the God of Israel through him. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Hope. I hope you'll join us next week as we discuss another Messianic prophecy. This episode featured Chosen People Ministry staff member Robert Walter. It was produced by Nicole Vaca, written by Rachel Larson, and edited by Grace Sweet. This episode was also made thanks to Dr. Michael Rodelnik, Dr. Mitch Glazer, and Kyron Bautista. I'm Abe Vasquez. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHopePodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. You can also support our podcast by giving today at OurHopePodcast.com slash support. See you next time 